Yeah, so tonight I am actually talking about my um, strengths for the whole 30 minutes. Um, well, not the whole 30 minutes, but we're going to discuss a little bit about some of my strengths and, and some of the opposites. So um, we're going we're gonna to talk about um, how I'm pretty good at public speaking, which is going to be shown tonight. So usually I get a little bit nervous before I get on the stage and then I get up here and I, I sort of get into a bit of a rhythm and I'm fine. So um, for those of you that feel nervous about public speaking, don't worry about it. We all, we all feel that way. Just if, once you get up here and you have the words to say, it's fine. So this is one of my strengths, public speaking, speaking in public. So my second, um, my second strength is art. So I, for those of you that don't know me, I did a degree in um, media arts down at Wintech. And so I started off with some pretty hideous photos that I was completely proud of in a portfolio where the glue didn't work. And so while I was showing my soon-to-be teachers my awesome work, it, all the photos fell out. And I had to scramble around on the floor and pick up my shoddy work. Um, but I got into the degree, and at the end of my degree, I feel like I'm pretty good at what I do. So I'm now, I now run in my own photo and design business, and um, I work here as one of the designers here at church. So... Um, this is another one of my strengths. Um, the last one of my strengths, which helps in moments like these, is my outgoing personality. So an outgoing personality is basically, if you've had a bad day and um, you have a social event that night, I can show up to the social event and I can pretend to be friendly with people. <laughs> That's basically what an outgoing personality is. So no matter how you feel, when you find yourself in a social situation, you can sort of put yourself out there and come across as quite a happy person. So are any of you outgoing personalities here, or am I the only one, and hence why I'm on stage? That's my daughter. Good times. <laughs> um, so that's me. So now we're going to discuss a few of my weaknesses. The top, well, no, to be honest, I'm not telling you what my ultimate weaknesses are, because I hold those very, very low, very, very quietly inside. Um, but one of my weaknesses is discipline. So some of you might be able to relate, but whenever I'm trying to change any habits in my life, I find it very difficult. So uh, trying to uh, join a gym. So I think Ants is with me on this one. Like we go in and out, we sort of sponsor the gym occasionally during the year. And unfortunately, I've really done it this year and I've signed up for a whole year because I was in one of those moods where I was like, I'll definitely be... Uh, given it a go for the whole year. And um, one month in, Glenn goes to Singapore, and I'm like, I can't do the gym. I'm a solo mother. Sorry, I'm not really a solo mother, because I know that's a little bit offensive to solo mothers out there. But I feel like I don't have enough time in the day to do what I need to do. And um, so I've just quit. Well, not quit, I just haven't been. So discipline, really bad. Um, this counts for like anything spiritual as well. So trying to implement like spiritual disciplines takes me like years and years of hard sweat and tears to even like pray for a couple of minutes in the morning. So this is one of my weaknesses. The second one is poise. I don't know if you can tell by now, but I'm not a very graceful person. Um, I can, I can kind of like stand quite well and I can sit okay, but if you're asking me to like, you know, cross my legs and wear a dress or something, I have no poise, I'm not, a, I'm, yeah, I just, like today I realised I was sitting in the chair listening to Ants preach and I was like slouched in the chair like this, and I don't know if any of you know Ashley and Douglas, Ashley was sitting right next to me, you know, she's lovely, she's very graceful, um, but it just highlighted the difference between the two of us, so I sat up, or I tried to. <laughs> 
Um, the last weakness I've listed here is quietness. So because one of my strengths is public speaking and the other one is like an outgoing personality, when I'm required to shut up, I don't really. So um, listening, for instance, in a conversation, quite difficult for me. So I have to, I have to actually um, mentally uh, remind myself to be quiet and to listen to what the person has to say. So for me, that's not a natural thing. I don't know if any of you are like that, but for me, I, I actually have to train myself to do that, and I'm still doing that. So next time I'm having a conversation with you and I'm quiet, that's on purpose. <laughs> All right? <laughs> so um, I'm going to tell you a little story of where um, some of these strengths and weaknesses sort of uh, came together in a colliding mess. Um, so when I was about 13 me and three friends went down to a local park. So I lived in Flaxmere. Anyone here acquainted with Flaxmere and Hastings? It's quite a rough suburb. Um, colourful suburb. Very colourful. Only red and black, really, but quite colourful. <laughs> not, not much blue. In fact, when the local motorcycle gang came through in their blue and frequented our cafe, I feared for my life. So, you know, um, anyway... And saying that, I went to the park with my three friends one day, and um, this big group of girls showed up, and um, we were sort of sharing the park, but we were separated, and um, they were giving me the eye, you know, when um, people try and be a little bit intimidating, um, and I was giving them the eye back, because I was, like, holding my own, so my self-confidence came into play here, and I was like, um, you can't look at me like that, I'm not going to back off, and so my three very meek friends were looking in the other direction and trying to play on the seesaw or whatever they were. And I'm on the slide, like, eyeing them up, like, don't you scare us off. We're here, just, we have just as much right to these toys as you do. Um, and anyway, a Māori warden came up and actually stopped the situation from getting any worse. And he kicked the other girls out of the, out of the playground. And so my friends breathed a sigh of relief and then decided we were going to go home. And they wanted to go home the other way. And I decided I wasn't going to be intimidated into going a different way home. We were going to go straight past these girls. And I convinced my three friends somehow to... Um, and sh sure enough, all these girls were hiding in a massive tree. And um, we walked past the tree that was... Uh, it's like a sniggering tree. It was kind of making funny noises. And we walked past it, and this pile of girls comes out of this tree. Anyway, we walk through the village. This girl gang picks up several more people... And um, we're on the way to my house, and uh, long story short, two of my friends ran off. Um, I couldn't run off because we were heading to my house, and I didn't want them to know where we lived. And so we got the beat down. <laughs> I laugh now. I wasn't really laughing back then. In fact, it's probably one of the only moments I've cried in front of a group of people. Well, no, I cry quite often, but this was quite humiliating. And I had a big cry, and my sister was the more staunch than me. So us very confident people can be confident in some situations, and then when it comes down to it, there's like a few waterworks. And, um, so that was an example of where some of my weaknesses sort of didn't do me any favours, and neither did my strengths. So, as I've been talking about this, I don't know, but some of you may have been thinking about situations where you have some weaknesses, some strengths. Um, do any come to mind? Any, any similar to mine? Not sure? <laughs> we all have them. So... I feel like as Christians, when we give our heart to God, some of us have done that. And um, that first moment or that first kind of year, we feel kind of invincible. Like Jesus has washed us clean, washed our sins away, and now we're pretty legit. Like we have powers, 
we're like superheroes, so you can go and like pray for people and they'll like bust out a healing or something. It's pretty incredible. Or um, you can cast out some demons if you feel the need. And so there's all these superpowers and you feel really right with God and we sort of feel legit. But the longer we, be, the longer we stay Christians, I think the closer we come to realizing that we actually are pretty weak. And we have more stuff wrong with us than we have right sometimes. And even though Jesus has our back and we've invited him into our heart, our weaknesses sort of come out a little bit more and a little bit more until ultimately we're super wise and we understand that we are just pretty bad and Jesus has to take over, right? Some of those weaknesses are more than just a little bit of a, you know, a fly on the wall and are stopping us from actually moving forward. So in marriage, with me and Glenn, I find it is the most obvious there because I'm spending my life with a person who gets to see the nitty-gritty. So the rest of you get to see me after like an hour of getting ready. Well, let's be honest, 10 minutes or so now because I'm a mum. So we have 10 minutes where we hurry and put on some clothes, maybe a bra, and then we run out of the house. So lucky for you guys tonight, we got the whole way through the 10 minutes. (laughs) But what I'm saying... So Glenn, Glenn sees the worst of me, and I see the worst of him. And me and him have had conversations where we've just felt like we're on this rat wheel, where we deal with an issue, and then a year later the same issue comes up, and we're handling it the same way, and I just feel like I'm back on that rat wheel. And you know the problem with a rat wheel is that you're walking and you're expending energy, but you're not really getting anywhere, and that's a bit sucky. So um, some of us, that's, that's where we're at. So... Before I get any further into this, I'm going to um, bring up some stuff about God. So tonight we're going to be talking about Saul in the New Testament. But before we talk about Saul, I'm going to I'm going to um, we're going to do a little bit of theology study here, and we're going to talk about the law of first mention. So has anyone heard about this little law? So it's 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 pretty it's pretty like easy to understand. So we're just going to go to the next slide. The law of first mention may be said to be the principle that requires one to go to that portion of scriptures where a doctrine is mentioned for the first time or the first occurrence to get the fundamental inherent meaning of that doctrine. So I'm just going to make that real simple for you. If you want to understand a thing, then you go back to where it's first mentioned in the Bible and that's, that's where you start, that's your base. If, if that word or if that, if that sort of example goes anywhere else, then you always come back to the first one to give it some context. Does that make sense? So, for instance, let's do an example. Um, God, right? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So for me, if you don't understand that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and therefore us, then everything else that you understand about God is flawed. So you have to fundamentally understand that he is a creator and that he created us. If you, if you understand everything else about God and don't understand that, you're headed in a very bad direction, right? So does that make sense to everyone? So I'm going to apply that to our lesson tonight, or our chat, um, but you're not chatting back. Uh, it sounds like a normal conversation that I have with people. <laughs> um, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Cool. Uh, let's give us a bit of context. So... Jesus had died, and he was raised to life, and he told everyone to spread the gospel, right? And then he went up to heaven and left all of his disciples, right? And then the Holy Spirit came, and the Holy Spirit um, empowered the disciples to be able to do miraculous things. Now, Stephen 
was one of these people that was empowered. And he was going around casting demons out of people and healing people. So he wasn't just a subtle little disciple. He was quite, he was quite out in the open. And um, the religious leaders of the day did not like this because obviously they had killed Jesus and they didn't want anyone to be following Jesus. And so Stephen's been hurled before this uh, collective group of people that were religious leaders. And he's basically just told them their history. So he's told a bunch of people who study the history of the Jews f- for a job. He schooled them in their own history, and they, they're, getting a bit, they're getting a bit annoyed about that, right? So here we go. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with the sin. And with that, he died. So this is our first martyr, right? This is Christianity's first recorded martyr in the Bible. Now, who was present at this stoning? This young man named Saul. No one else is really named, right? Just Saul. Now, Saul turns out to be a really important person in the New Testament. So this first mention of Saul in the Bible doesn't really go along with the stuff we learn about him later on. But the reason this has been included is super important for us, and we're going to really get into that tonight. So when we later hear Saul preaching, he talks about himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees. So he was telling us that in our context, he was a pastor of pastors, right? So not only was he a leader in his faith, not only did he lead his people, he led the leaders. He was more extreme and zealous for his faith than lots of other Pharisees were, right? So when he's standing there collecting the coats of the people killing Stephen, he's actually approving of this. And he even says that later on. He approved of of that. It's in the next verse actually, isn't it? I think it's the next slide. Yeah, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. So that seems like a weird thing to add in there, except that you know that later on he becomes one of the greatest leaders of the Christian church, right? But this is his, this is the moment where he's first mentioned. It's not really, it's not an amazing mentioning, is it? He's like, he's kind of part of the murder of the first martyr. So why have we included this in the Bible? Why has this been left in there? God is showing us that even in your weaknesses, you can be used, right? So Saul, Saul had a few strengths. One of his strengths is that he knew his history, he knew his heritage, but that also was one of his weaknesses because I don't know about, I don't know about you, but I think Paul kind of had seen Jesus or had heard Jesus at least because all the Jews were required to go up to Jerusalem during certain feasts. And he, was around, he would have been a young boy at about that time, but he certainly would have heard of Jesus and maybe even possibly met him. But he missed the boat. So the Son of God physically comes down to earth and is walking in his city. 
And he's been studying the word of God that came from the same God, and he misses the boat, right? So us, as Christians, we have the presence of God sometimes in our midst. Well, all the time, really. And we're, we're supposed to be the people closest to God, and somehow we miss the boat. So we're in the same situation here as Saul, right? Where he's so zealous, and he wants so badly to be following the true way that he misses where it all changes, right? He misses that point. Stephen looks into heaven and he sees Jesus. Does anyone know the story of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus? Right? Saul's on his way to Damascus with a whole bunch of warrants of arrest to throw Christians into jail and to kill them and separate their families, all this sort of stuff. He's very zealous. What happens? A bright light comes. He falls to the ground and he looks up. What does he see? Jesus in heaven. Is it a coincidence that the first time Saul is mentioned, he's killing a man that has seen the same thing. And here he is on his way to kill Christians, more Christians. He hasn't repented. He doesn't know he's wrong. And he sees the same God. He sees the same Jesus. To me, that's God coming down and meeting a man at his weakness, right? Reminding him, the man you killed, yep, he asked for your forgiveness and now here you are. Because remember, Stephen called out, please don't hold this against them, and Saul was there. And now Saul meets the same God in the same way. Sometimes your calling doesn't come when you pick up the coat of a great prophet. Sometimes your calling comes when you're watching over the coats of murderers. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes your calling doesn't come when you pick up the coat of a great prophet. Sometimes your calling comes when you're watching over the coats of murderers. Because not all of us have that massive experience, right, where, where a mighty man of God happens to walk alongside us and uh, he happens to go up in a fiery chariot and his coat falls off. How convenient. And we pick up that coat and we become a great prophet. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes we're living in sin. Sometimes we're still sleeping with that guy we know we shouldn't be sleeping with. Sometimes we're listening to that music we know we should. Sometimes we're committing great, great acts of sin and God comes to us then and shows us like that he loves us regardless and that that's our calling. Our calling is to change exactly what we're doing and become like Paul. Saul, he changes his name to Paul, sorry. So this week, I just, I just want, let's, let's take a moment actually right here. Let's think about some of those weaknesses that we actually think are crippling us. Because, I don't know, inherently when someone asks this of me, I know straight away what ones to go to. I knew what three to put up there when I was talking about my weaknesses. We all know our own weaknesses, don't we? And um, I didn't even mention the couple that I don't want to share with people yet. So we have some of those. So let's think about those ones, the couple that we might not be willing to share with people, right? Do you think that there's a way that God could potentially use that? Do you think there's a way that God could turn that around? Because um, the ne- let's, let's go to the next verse, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. I picked this out of the Passion Translation because it's amazing. But he answered me, 
My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. That's pretty incredible, hey? So not only does God, like, wipe out your weaknesses and make them not weaknesses, but that's the exact time when he can actually display the full power that he has, right? So not only, not only does he, is he telling us here that your weaknesses have, have no bearing in his mind, but that they're actually sometimes better than your strengths. Because when you have strength, you're pushing the cart. And I think Lois mentioned this this morning, and I got a massive fright, because it's exactly what I was going to talk about tonight, right? But when you have strengths, like public speaking, sometimes I can get up here and push my own cart, right? Because I have the power. I am strong in that area. But sometimes, when we have no power to push the cart, all we can do is straighten the wheels and wait for God, right? And she talked about that this morning, about aligning our heart so that we're, we are movable when, it, when God comes along with his power. So I want to challenge you tonight. Not only do I want you to... to pull out your weaknesses and to view them full face. But I want you to understand that God is going to use that area and create something amazing. Is that cool? If only we learn to press into God, we will move mountains. So there's a reason why the mustard seed is so small and it can move a mountain. It's not because we have faith of a mustard seed and a mustard seed grows a great tree, and we will move the mountain by growing this great tree. It's a mustard seed, so you can understand how small you are, and how weak you are, and how God can use that seed to move the mountain. Cool? So, so it's not our strength, it's not our pushing. So when I'm mucking around with Mina, when, when things go wrong, and I'm not sitting here in the presence of God, and that's me moving into a place where I'm not as strong. And so I can no longer be up here pushing my own cart. It's now God, Right? Because I'm all like, what's going on? And so when I'm in a situation where I'm, where I'm uncomfortable, that's when I should press into God and that's when I should make it about God and not about me. So I'm going to close tonight with another story. As I said before, one of my strengths is talking and public speaking and one of my weaknesses is shutting up. <laughs> I could make this go on for another 20 minutes, for instance. But when God asks me to be quiet, I don't know. I've never really had God tell me to be quiet before. But the situation happened recently where we went to Budapest. I don't know if any of you knew that. (laughs) But we went on this massive trip overseas. And this trip was supposed to bring me and Glyn together. So we had decided that we wanted to go um, overseas and do something that we thought mattered more than what we're sort of doing with our lives right now, the direction or the trajectory of our lives, and we wanted to change that. And so me being me, when we discussed this a year ago, I hit the accelerator hard, and I um, sort of on my way, speeding through, you know, Glenn fell out of the car. <laughs> he was like, no, 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 no. This is not, this is not what we'd signed up for. I'm, I'm not sure I really want to go overseas and do that sort of thing anymore. I'm so, you know, 
it's a bit safer here. Like, he just, I just scared him right away. So anyway, what ended up happening is we ended up deciding to go on a short-term trip in order to give Glenn a bit more clarity about what he wanted to do. And we were supposed to come back from that trip and be aligned. So we were going to go on this huge trip and come back, and we were going to know what we were to do with our lives. And we get back from this trip. We'd spent, you know, a lot of time and money getting there. And we come back, and we're still the same. I'm like... God, I don't want people to feel like we wasted their time and their money. What are you doing sending us over the other side of the world and coming back the same? Like, what's going on there? And I um, specifically remember, so we got back the Thursday and I was like chatting and rambling and doing all this and telling heaps of people and my mum and dad had their ears chewed off like, um, because they were the ones that picked us up from the airport and I was just going on and on and on and on. And Monday morning I was talking to God and God was like, you need to be quiet. (laughs) I was like, What? aren't I supposed to like tell Glenn how I'm feeling? Aren't I supposed to like let him know that this is what we're supposed to be doing? Because I'm so sure that that is what we're supposed to be doing. And God's like, you need to be quiet. And I remember being like, "Mm, let's give that a go. Like God knows I suck at that. We'll give it a go. And you know what? I was quiet. I didn't talk to Glenn about this at all. And when he brought it up, I'd be like, no, I'm not talking to you about this. You have to decide by yourself. I'm not going to talk to you about this massive decision we're about to make with our lives. I'm trusting God. (laughs) And slowly but surely, I watched God begin to move in my silence where Glenn was starting to say things like, oh, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to be in Budapest right now, eh? Nice and sunny. I was like, "Mm, no, I kind of enjoy it here in New Zealand. He'd say things like, oh, work's works a bit hard today. You know, I wouldn't mind just being over there doing something that matters. I'm like, oh, you'll change your mind next week when your good boss comes back. You know, she'll be right. We'll be fine. Um, things like, do, should we buy a house? I don't know if we should buy a house. I'm like, yeah, we should buy a house. We should settle down now. And I just was quiet. And slowly God did this amazing, like I can only call it a miracle. I don't know any of you that knew the, knew where Glenn was at before we left, but he was most definitely not going to leave his job and his dogs and move to the other side of the world with me. And yet here we are, you know? And so I want to challenge you this week, find something that you think you're bad at and challenge God to do something amazing in your life. Because, yeah, (laughs) Jesus is going to meet you somewhere and he's going to call you somehow and he's going to change your life. And then it'll be you standing up here when your weakness is public speaking. (laughs) and you'll be changing some lives.